the Books episode of the All the Books show recorded at the David A. Hale Public Library. We talk book news, author news, and literary news. And today, our Off the Books is a author interview. That's right. Eric and I had the chance to sit down with author Fred Van Lente, and we're going to get into that in a minute. I'm Nick Gunning. I'm Eric Miggles. And today we are talking to novelist and comic book author Fred Van Lente. Uh, you're probably familiar with Fred's work if you're a comic book fan. He's had a lot of successful runs, including a long one on Incredible Hercules, Marvel Zombies. He wrote X-Men Noir. He wrote uh, Wolverine First Class, many mm-hmm. other things. Uh, we're going to focus today on his time writing Spider-Man. So he was well known for his uh, runs across the Marvel Adventures line where he wrote uh, many Iron Man, Fantastic Four, um, all the sorts of things. The kids-friendly line. The kids-friendly yeah. line, that's right. Uh, and did, did a couple of great arcs on the Spider-Man story, uh, as well as writing Web of Spider-Man mm-hmm. and uh, a run on Amazing Spider-Man, including the arc of Red the Brand New Stranger. Day, that's right. Uh, big arc where they that's had right. like... Many different writers yep. all like switch. I think it was like a weekly yeah. comic at the time. Yeah, it was, was very regular. regular. Big business. So we were very fortunate uh, to sit down with Fred and discuss some of that. Uh, so let's dig in. All the books presents author spotlight. This afternoon, Eric and I are joined by uh, novelist, comic book author, Fred Van Lente. We've got a few questions for you, Fred. So thanks so much for taking uh, the time to talk to us today. Thanks for having me here. Now, our our focus for this episode has been Spider-Man. And we're going to try to stick to that. But uh, Eric and I have been reading your work for many years now. And so we might have to venture off here and there to ask a few other questions. But we're going to try to stick to (laughs) Spider-Man. All right. Okay. So uh, my first experience with your Spider-Man was Marvel Adventures. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Marvel Adventures in general. Because I know you did a pretty long run with that on Iron Man and Fantastic Four. And, of course, Spider-Man as well. So can you talk to us a little bit about that experience writing on Marvel Adventures? Sure. It was sort of the first steady job I got at Marvel. I had done a couple miniseries, or at least one miniseries with them, and I enjoyed working with the editor, Nate Cosby, who really loved that line and loved doing the kids' comics for mm-hmm. Marvel. Um, Marvel Adventures was, was, I believe, essentially a venture by Marvel to get um, comics into the Walmarts of the world, the big box okay. stores, mm-hmm. and outside of the comic shops and really appeal to younger people who, you know, may not necessarily go into a comic shop or may not be allowed to go into a comic shop by their parents. And so the stories were all kind of, uh, there were a couple like sort of standard mandated uh, things, like we couldn't show any guns. Okay. There were a couple other sort of no-nos that you weren't allowed to do. Um, I know Jeff Parker, who was doing Avengers that had Wolverine, and, like, Wolverine couldn't, like, stab anybody. Oh. <laughs> so, so he fought a lot of robots. Oh, I see. Yeah, that, that solves the problem. Um, uh, now, what, what we like about them here at the library is that because they do work for all ages, and because they're... They're their own thing, you know. You you can just read them straight without having to read all the different various, uh, you know, crossovers and that sort right. of thing. So it works really well for that. Um, that was another mandate was that they all had to be single. They had to do. They all had to be single issue stories, and you couldn't um, continue one. Every story had to be totally self contained. So like you okay. literally right. could pick up any issue of any Marvel Adventures book, never having heard of Spider Man or Fantastic Four or whoever, mm-hmm. and immediately 
understand the story and, and get something out of it. Now, you see, that seems like it would be especially challenging trying to write stories like that because you, I guess that would sort of force you to almost reintroduce the character each time. Yeah, but I mean, that's really how comics were written, you know, before our era. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's what the editors all assumed in the so-called Silver Age and Golden Age. Yeah, and that's why, you know, Marvel Comics, for example, in the 70s, when I first was reading comics, had those boxes that introduced mm -hmm. the concept <laughs> yep. of the uh, uh, book in, and on every splash page and always ended with Stan Lee Presents, you know, Daredevil, Man Without Fear, or whatever. <laughs> you know, you knew his name was Matt Murdock and he was blind and he was a lawyer and he had heightened senses other than the one. Well, what do you think your biggest challenge was writing all ages characters for those ones that you worked on? I mean, was was there something that, uh, you know, particularly stood out like, oh, how am I going to make this work for a younger age? Because I thought actually with Iron Man, uh, you do get pretty serious in there sometimes, you know, with Tony's, um, you know, not being quite sure how to handle being basically an arms dealer and fighting against arms dealers. So I, I feel like you managed to get some adult things in there. But what, what were the biggest challenges associated with that age level? Yeah, I mean, I, I took the all ages moniker pretty seriously. Okay. Um, like literally, you know, I wasn't completely trying to quote unquote write for kids. And I think that probably is the best way to write for kids. Mm hmm. Um, I, honestly, I, I, you know, at, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I didn't find it very challenging at all. I, okay. I, I, I thought I was really good at it. <laughs> so it came very naturally, uh, in terms of, and I had like being a giant nerd and having memorized the <laughs> handbook of the Marvel universe. The fun part was, was, you know, being able to use pretty much every character, any character I wanted to, you know, there was one series of Spider-Man we did was when Spider-Man three came out. Mm. They said, you've got to do something with the um, with the black suit. Yeah. So that that was sort of a mandate. But I you know, that was very minor. The the then I did a second series where I, it was somehow wrapped into a toy line or something. So I they were like, you got to use Green Goblin. You got to use Venom. You got to oh, use okay. Octor Octopus and some and another one. I forget which character it was. Um, so. Oh, and then you would use the Spider-Man 3 characters, so they made me put Venom in, and they made mm -hmm. Sandman and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, Sandman's there, yep. Yeah, so, uh, but beyond that, in Fantastic Four and Iron Man, I didn't, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. I mean, the real disadvantage with Iron Man was that this was before, if you can believe it, this is before the Robert Downey Jr. Jr. Iron Man movie okay. came up, and they didn't tell me anything about the movie because, I, to a certain extent, I mean, a lot of it was just sort of typical entertainment company paranoia but right. uh some of it was you know they didn't know they thought it might bomb so they didn't right. necessarily want the comics associated with the, with the, <laughs> of the of the movie and that's why in the iron man book you know roadie and pepper Potts don't look or act anything like the characters in the movie because i had mm -hmm. no idea did write a lot of uh all ages comics, Marvel Adventures, and Wolverine First Class. But then you get to, you know, take your kids' gloves off. You wrote uh, Spider-Man during the uh, the Gauntlet storyline, which was some pretty uh, tough stuff for the character. But you also uh, recently wrote the Deadpool Punisher uh, versus book. And so, what, do you, is there one you prefer? Do you prefer writing the all ages, or do you prefer having the kids' gloves taken off and having the freedom to write more violent characters like uh, Punisher and Deadpool? Well, I mean, they're all different storytelling challenges. Like I, I, 
it's it's unfortunate that Marvel doesn't really have very much interest in kids or kids comics, and I certainly would have liked to to a certain extent to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. When I was at Marvel, I just ended up getting too many, you know, um, sort of m- more mainstream projects. So they had I had to leave, I had to sort of abandon the um the kid stuff. Like I I left. Wolverine first class after a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoy writing for kids. I still do it today. Um, but, uh, I, I get bored really easily, so I don't like to do any one thing all the time. Okay. Uh, so I do a lot of nonfiction. I do prose. I do, you know, web comics, regular comics, right. Standalone graphic novels. I just, you know, I, I like to keep busy and I like to stay engaged. And I think the best way and the, 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 the easiest way I've found to stay engaged is to just do a whole bunch of different stuff. Sure. Okay. Uh, going back to Spider-Man for a minute here. Now, you did a pretty fun run on Amazing Spider-Man with the Red-Headed Stranger arc. And I'm just curious about uh, what that experience was like. Like, is there is there a certain amount of prestige to be, you know, the, the lead writer on the Amazing Spider-Man title? Is there, do you have more scrutiny when you're doing that? Or, or what's that like? Well, I, I wouldn't say I was the lead writer in the sense that there were seven writers simultaneously <laughs> writing okay. the Amazing Spider-Man. And obviously, you know, we weren't all seven of us all writing everything. Yeah. Once we registered, it was, it was a little chaotic. I mean, it was fun. It was intense. Uh, Spider-Man was my favorite character growing up, so it definitely was, was definitely oh, a, yeah. a dream true uh, and a great honor to work on it. I was also doing Web of Spider-Man at the same time I was doing Amazing um, and I was the sole writer on that for most of the run. And by the, by the end of it, by the time they made the decision to get to end the sort of webhead experience experiment mm-hmm. and I just have Dan Slot write the title, I was kind of sick of it. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like on the one hand, I was kind of bummed out that 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 because I was having a fun time working with the guys. But on the other hand, um, I was just kind of no, I was like really like enough with Spider Man. <laughs> okay, all right. It was, to a certain extent, uh, that's like uh, continued on to this day. Um, I love Spider-Man, uh, but I love him in my memories. Sure. Okay. So, in my active consumption of him. What's What's the experience like working on you know a, an iconic established character like Spider-Man versus taking somebody like Hercules and sort of bringing them up and making them you know a marketable, interesting character? Spider-Man is, is sort of a special case because I was such a huge fan. Okay. Like the characters were all super familiar to me. And so I, I had a lot of fun sort of like making them my own. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in The Redhead Stranger, the primary villain in that book is, in that story, is the chameleon who I had always liked because I'd read the pocket book Spider-Man reprints from the 70s that my parents got me that were the original they took the Stanley. They did almost the entire Stanley Steve Ditko run. They put them in. I think they brought out three books, three mm-hmm. paperback books. And I remember really loving the fat first issue of Amazing Spider-Man when the Million appears because the Million doesn't, at least initially, didn't have any superpowers. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was cool that he could really tangle with a superpowered hero like Spider-Man. Later on, they clearly found that lacking, so they gave him <laughs> like magic shape-shifting powers, which I always thought was kind of lame. So I actually tried to make him. Uh, like a psychotic, like a scary villain, like mm-hmm. a formidable threat. Um, and then, of course, the minute I stopped writing him, they immediately gave him back his <laughs> his his I can shape shifting powers. And 
I, 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 uh, so, but you know, that's just sort of the give and take of the whole, sort of the whole, you know, writer relationship, um, of the group. And and admittedly that version of chameleon who had this very elaborate way of killing people and then replacing them and then turning, you know, getting max them probably wasn't necessarily something that was going to work for a reoccurring villain. <laughs> sure. Well, it was, it was fun, to, fun to read for that arc, though. I mean, I, I like yeah, the way exactly. he's just kind of screwing up Peter's life and <laughs> just yeah. being a problem. Exactly. Um, so can you tell us about the creation of uh, of Scorpion? Because uh, this is a character that I remember uh, debuting when I was kind of slowly getting into uh, Marvel's like grander scheme. And I remember the Amazing Fantasy title. And I, I remember... Uh, I, I I believe it, it was about creating new characters. Uh, is that correct? I mean, sort of. Okay. Um, because you you were the second uh the second run in that. I, I was. That was my first ever Marvel work. Okay. That was my first at Marvel. Um. So, the first series of Amazing Fantasy, I believe, brought us Aranya, who was yes. sort of a Spider Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they decided for the second arc, they would have a poll on the Marvel website to totally remake a character. And I, I feel I like, remember that. Yes. Yeah. I feel like fans didn't entirely understand what they were voting on. Okay. Because bring the howl of nerd rage that erupted as soon as they discovered that the scorpion Matt Gargan was going to be turned into a teenage female shield agent. Right. <laughs> I thought it was a little strange, but I kept my mouth shut because it was a job and it was my first Marvel job and I wanted to work really badly. Uh, And so I pitched them a story. I was not the only person asked to pitch. The editor had liked some of my independent comics work. Right. And I pitched him this idea that these long-term villains, long-time villains, uh, Silver Samurai and Viper, who, like, Silver Samurai was always kind of a henchman of mm-hmm. the Viper. They got drunk one night and slept together <laughs> and the result was was uh, Scorpion who had this kind of poison touch he inherited from the Viper. Right. And I turned it in and they said, thank you very much. We really appreciate this. Uh, we like it, but uh, we're going to go with somebody else's pitch. Okay. And I was kind of bummed out, you know, but by the same token I thought that the editor was being sincere and they liked the pitch and that mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe I would get the pitch again, you know, who knows. But then, uh, then I got a call, like, literally, like, it was very quickly. It was, like, a week later, and, and they were like, well, we had to fire the other writer. <laughs> so we're doing your thing instead. Uh, we need a script by Thursday or whatever it was. Okay. Except that you can't use the Viper and you can't use the Silver Star. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I should point out is one of the advantages of doing Marvel Adventures is there's no one around to tell you you can't use right. Silver Star or Viper because – because a it's the kids line nobody cares and b they're all it's own its own continuity you know the the, right. the biggest nightmare working for marvel is casting books with characters that are you know being used by another writer or have been changed by another writer or right. are no longer that person or they're dead or they're mm-hmm. off the table or we can't use them because of some arcane legal reason grant morrison is using them <laughs> right so uh, that's that's sort of like a very big challenge in creating mainstream big two comics is mm-hmm. that unless you are the biggest fish in the in the tank 
And even the big fish have to deal with this quite a bit. Right, sure. And also, like, all the books are all coming out at different rates, and the creative teams are all at different mm-hmm. points. It's quite no. Like, a lot of times the editors don't even really know what's allowed and what's not allowed. And it becomes this kind of, like, you know, Middle East peace process level negotiation. Right. Um, so I basically came up with this Monica Rappuccini character, uh, who was the AIM sort of, uh, scientist supreme, and she was, and I replaced Hydra with AIM, and then that's sort of how, so I right. kind of did my original idea, but I just had to change, I just had to come up with a new villain that she was right. the daughter yeah, of. Yeah, she still has that kind of Viper vibe about her, but now you had the freedom to do what you wanted with it. And ironically, Rappuccini and has ended up being had some staying power as a character. I've seen it's seeing her pop up in yeah, well, fill in various Marvel comics. Scorpion also seemed like she had uh, quite a bit of staying power as well. I remember even just reading she was a uh, Peter David used her in his House of M spinoff for the Hulk. Oh, the editors made him do that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, yeah. You think Peter David woke up one morning and was like, "Hey, I want to use this character." No one's ever heard of. Uh, no, yeah, they they absolutely forced him to. Do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and you know that's because the Hulk and Amazing Fantasy were into the same sort of editorial. And so oh. Mark uh, Panicia was the editor of both Amazing Fantasy and and Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that's largely how Amadeus Cho, who probably is the character who's had the most staying power that was introduced in that run of Amazing Fantasy by Greg, right. that, that has had a lot of staying power because Greg just, you know, got to do the, some big books and, and forced Amadeus in there. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up working with him on Incredible Hercules is because I co-created the Scorpion and the Scorpion was one of the heroes that appeared in the World War Hulk, uh, um, tie-in books. Right. And initially, Incredible Hercules was going to be a team book with all the heroes who had supported the Hulk during World War Hulk. But then they decided, well, we have too many team books. What if we pared it down to just Hercules? Right. Um, uh, well, that that leads into another question I have. Can you uh, can you take us through like working with a writing Parker uh, like uh, with Greg Pak on uh, the Hercules titles? Um, like the first year, it was very literally. Um, Co-writing, like I would write half, or he, and then he, I give it to him, and he'd write half, and then okay. vice versa. I think for the first arc, he wrote all the Amadeus scenes, and I wrote a little the Herc scenes. Okay. And then eventually, it got to the point where we kind of knew we had like a one. We were both in Philadelphia for a convention. We sat down, we had lunch, and we kind of roughed it, roughed out what the rest of the series was going to be. Mm-hmm. Once we had that skeleton. Like, basically, he would write an entire issue, and then I would write the next issue, and vice versa. And we would pass it back and forth, and, and you know, each person would contribute to those scripts. But it became much more of a, well, I'll take 131, I'll take 132. And then it got to the point where we were individually doing, at one point, we did double shift, and we split up Hercules and Cho, and then I wrote mm-hmm. the show. Ironically, I wrote the Cho story, and he wrote the Hercules story. Okay. Yeah, I really, uh, I just, I know we were talking about Spider-Man, but I really enjoyed the Incredible Hercules title. That was a a really fun title for a while, and I was kind of sad to see it uh, to go away, but. Sure, well, we did what we wanted with it, you know? I mean, they let us do our story, for the most part. Right. For the most part. Um, Yeah, I saw that Marvel's actually doing an omnibus of it this month. great. So it will be in comic stores again, albeit in, in reprint form. Sure. 
I think that was my first my first of your work that I read was that Incredible Hercules. But I want to talk about uh, wh- what you're working on right now. So I know you're working sure. on a, a, a reboot of Psylords with Valiant Comics. And I have a, a vague memory of Psylords like from the 90s. Is this is this a like a reimagining of that team or is it totally different? It, uh, it is a reimagining of that team and okay. it's totally different. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so it's both. Uh, yeah. Well, so the, the first issue's out now, and I, I read through it, and I really enjoyed it. And it yeah. actually reminded me a little bit of, um, in a good way, of um, the run you and Greg Pak did on Alpha Flight, the, the way the, the characters were sort of coming in. I just, it, it kind of it was a callback to that for me. But um, I, it, can, you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the plot of this book? Sure. Psylords is a science fiction um, prison break story in which four astronauts wake up in this alien prison with no memory of who they are, how they got there. They have strange powers they understand, and they've got to figure out a way to break out of this prison, which is literally the size of a planet. Um, and that's basically it. Uh, and uh, the second, the first issue is doing very well, which is very exciting, and the second issue is coming along shortly this month of July. And uh, we're having a really good time with it. Oh, that's great, and you know, I was uh, I was not really familiar with these characters outside of just like a fuzzy memory. But what I think works so well about that first issue is that I mean, just like you say, you're you're kind of dropped into this huge plot, and yet you manage to sort of take it through all of these uh, character introductions in a really natural way. And I think the way the characters themselves are reacting to the situation is is very like realistic and kind of funny. So I mean, it hooked me right from the start. That's that's great to hear. Yeah, I mean the uh, they have amnesia, right? So yeah. they're they are characters that are completely new both to the audience and to themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So the audience gets to learn about them while they're trying to figure out each individually who they are, which okay. is pretty awesome. So the first issue of that is out right now, and the next next issue is coming out in the next month here. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, actually. Oh, okay. All right. And I, it looked like I saw that there was going to be a trade maybe at the end of the year collecting this, the first, uh, first batch of issues. Is that right? Uh, would not surprise me. You know more okay. than I do. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. But that's certainly likely. Okay. All right. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Like I said, I, I enjoyed the first issue and uh, I think it's, uh, it's a, it's a cool start for those characters and it, it sets up an intriguing and kind of unique, uh, arc that uh, I'm looking forward to follow. So, uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us this morning. My pleasure. Hey, that was a great interview. It was. Our thanks again to Fred Van Lente. Uh, you can find him online at fredvanlente.com. You can find him on Twitter at Fred Van Lente. And, of course, Psylords uh, Volume 1 is in stores now, and the rest of the series is coming I'm out. I'm excited to read that. It's very good. I, I really enjoyed Issue 1. Yeah. Uh, the rest is coming out over the course of the year. And so far, there's a, there's a pre-pub listing for a trade collecting mm-hmm. the first arc uh, towards the end of the year in November. But, of course, that's uh, not official yet. But, anyway, thanks again to Fred Van Lente. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to our episode 202, we do a full spotlight on Spider-Man focusing on a Spider-Man and other media, basically. We yep. did uh, movies, we did uh, uh, cartoon series, as well as our introduction to the we, character. We talked so much about Spider-Man and all things that yeah. we actually have to do a separate episode of just talking about Spider-Man in the yep. comics. So I guess this is part two of our Spider-Man Week yeah. series of episodes. I don't know how we got through that. But if you uh, enjoyed this interview and you want to 
uh, listen to some of our full episodes. You can find us at All the Book Show on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Twitter. Uh, you can find us at David A. Howe Public Library on Facebook. And you can email us at the All the Book Show at Gmail. That's We're also right. on YouTube. Yes, we are. We're all over the place. All right. Thanks mm-hmm. for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.